This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way through to the, did we hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. If I'm sounding a little bit creaky and croaky this morning, it is because it's early. It's about half past six on this Friday morning. And those of you thinking, how unprofessional, what a shambles this man is. Well, you could not be more wrong. You couldn't be further from the truth. Like if the truth was all the way over there... And you were all the way over there. That's how wrong and far from the truth you are, because I did most of what needed to be done for today's Arscast yesterday. Yesterday. Am I a shambles? Am I an unprofessional shambles? What is? I, well, let me just check this out. What is the distance from Dublin to London? Okay. 463 kilometers. That's how far it is. So I traveled 463 kilometers there and 463 kilometers back because, well, you know, it's not every week you get the chance to sit down and have a good chat with Ian Wright. Yeah, you might remember him from such things as scoring lots and lots and lots of really brilliant goals for Arsenal. That Ian Wright. So, uh, yeah, look, you do what you've got to do when that opportunity presents itself. I don't need to go into the details of how and why it came about, but Ian was uh, very generous with his time, despite the fact that, of course, I was the one that travelled 463 kilometres there and 463 kilometres back. But that's uh, and that, look, I'm not saying that I, I went out of my way more. 
I'm just saying that when you're a busy guy like Ian Wright, your time is very much appreciated, and it was. So we met uh, in London. We met in Soho. And I got to say thanks to Tayo Papula for uh, helping us find somewhere to do it. We sat around a table, Ian and I, for the best part of an hour talking about him, his Arsenal career, uh, this season, what's going on, these players, the manager, the board, the FA Cup semi final coming up against Manchester City, the lot. And uh, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic to meet him and chat to him about this, uh, this football club that we all support i was going to say endure i don't know if that's the right word maybe at the moment it is maybe this season it is but overall it's still i think uh, the best thing in the world to be an arsenal fan imagine being a fan of someone else what would that mean that would be yeah think of all the people in your life that you wouldn't know anymore or you would like hate just because who they are or who they support you see so look there's always an upside but look it's not always the most um uplifting conversation But that is because, well, things are not that uplifting at this moment in time, and there's no point beating around those particular bushes. So what I'm going to do is just get straight into this. We're going to go straight into the interview. We'll take a little break halfway through and then um, come back with the second half of the interview. I'm not going to do a little, we're taking a break thing now. There'll just be a little bit of music, and then there'll be a pause. And if there's an ad where you are, there's an ad where you are. And if there's no ad, it will carry on seamlessly uh, with just a little half a second gap of, of dead air as they say. And uh, you can carry on just enjoying the podcast. So look, l- let's do it, will we? Let's get on with this. This is Arsecast number... What number is this? Uh, I should look these things up, shouldn't I? Episode 400, and I think it's 427. I'm making a guess here now. Yes, episode 427, the Arsecast with Ian Wright. <laughs> Well, I am in London. I'm in Soho in London, and I'm with an Arsenal legend. Uh, it's an absolute privilege to sit here with Ian Wright. Hello to you. How you doing, Andrew? I am well. You're a legend yourself, man. Uh, not as much as you. Well, you know, it's not for me to say. <laughs> you might have a few goals more than me at the, the top flight of football. But, uh, well, look, thanks a million for the time. Yeah. Appreciate it. And uh, first thing I just want to say is uh, I watched the documentary the other week yes. on BT Sport, uh, the Rocky yeah. and Righty documentary, and that was, um, it's been a difficult season for Arsenal, and we'll yeah. talk about that in, mm. in a bit, but there were moments in that documentary where you kind of, you, yeah. you look, I, I, I thought to myself, whatever is happening at this moment in time, mm. I'm just so glad I'm an Arsenal fan. Because watching you and watching the marble halls and yeah. watching all those old moments was uh, was something special. Well, it was just w- because like when they when they wanted us to make it there, yeah. Andrew. You know what I mean? We got in touch with Janet, Dave's wife, and everybody, and we sat around. Yeah, and we wanted to make sure that they had the right stuff. But to be honest, we d- we didn't we shouldn't have worried about that. You know, it was it was it was fantastic the way it came out. We got unbelievable um, re- reviews. Yeah. Because of the, our, our different paths and the, and the way we both got there, and what Rocky used to what Rocky used to do for me when I used to see him when I was like eighteen and he was just like fifteen, sixteen, getting ready to go um, across the bridge, across the bridge to go to Stoke Newington, and yeah. you know I mean I was still dossing around, smoking, <laughs> smoking stuff, and still drinking, trying to find girls, and he used to really slaughter me. Yeah, about you know 
not doing enough. And I thought I'd done as much as I could when I was younger, trying to get into the game. I couldn't write to any more football clubs. I only got answers from Orient, I think, um, Charlton and stuff like that. But I just thought it would gone. But for us to both end up on our paths to go round the way and then end up at um, Arsenal together. Like I said, it was the dream football match for me was Southampton um, debut. Yeah. Rocky scoring and me scoring a hat trick. It was every when I think of it, it makes me it makes me emotional. It's yeah. the greatest greatest day oh. ever. Oh, it was brilliant. It was just brilliant to watch and brilliant to see those memories. And much. and I love the idea of yourself and Rocky sitting at a table till four in the morning talking drink, about what's it going to be like. Who, drinking whiskey and ginger. Well, you know, those were the days. Honestly, he was, we was talk, we must have spoke about Spurs, the, the other mob. Yeah, for, we must have spoke about them for three hours, man. It was just like, <laughs> and how if you score against them, what it means, what it means to the fans, and you know, it was, it was, it, you know, it's as if it was yesterday for me. So yeah. it's, it's right there in my head. It's so vague. It's right there. Yeah. Well, look, it was a, it was a brilliant thing to watch, and you know, you, it brings back a lot of memories. I'm sure for you and for yeah. a lot of people listening to this, and and certainly, <laughs> t- you know, for all of us. Um, I mean, when you look back at your time with Arsenal. It must be, I mean, it's such a huge part of who you are and who you are now. Yeah. And and what the, the man that you've become, I guess, in a way, that you're still very wedded to, to Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. I know you played for Palace and you played yeah. for Celtic and West Ham, but the association, I was on the way out here, yeah. uh, on the, the way to the airport in Dublin, I said to the taxi driver, just lives down the road from me, so I'm going to going over to interview Ian Wright today and he went oh fuck I love that guy and I'm a Man United fan so you know it's really strange because the Palace fans find it very difficult to deal with my my Arsenal love yeah. and you know my, my love for Palace is deep you know it's, it's deep and yeah. you know to have to explain it to them they should, they should know I will never ever um, not appreciate the chance what Crystal Palace gave me. I took the chance. Sure. And um, I, I just think it's the way it came about and the fact that I left and it went so successfully at Arsenal. And, you know, when I left Palace, I said, I'm, I'm leaving to win things. I want to go and win stuff. Mm. And uh, it was really strange because even going back to the to the Rocky and Wrighty, when you listen, because these are things our first time, I'm hearing it from Steve Koppel, um, some of the things what he was saying. And he said, there was no way we could have held him back. He had to go to a club like that. Yeah. And what, as soon as I got to the club, not you know, even with Rocky there and everything, it was right. Yeah. It was it was amazing. David Dean, the lads, everybody, it was it was fantastic, and that's why, you know, I'm so pleased I scored on the debuts because all the time you're watching people go to, from a club like Crystal Palace to a big club like Arsenal, mm. um, and they don't it doesn't quite work out for them, and I was petrified of that. Um, but then after I scored the goal against Leicester when he went up still meet people and they say, I went up to Leicester right as soon as I heard you signed. I scored the goal against Leicester and I scored the, the, the hat-trick on the Saturday. That was it. Yeah. It was the, the love affair started and you know what I mean? It's not stopped for me. Yeah. Well, look, you hit the ground running and kept <laughs> going. I mean, when you think about, you know, what age you were when you joined Arsenal to then become to then become the, the club's record goal scorer. That's, that's, Andrew, just, that's something that I can't really comprehend even now. And I think it's a good thing Thierry... Thierry came through in the end and, and broke it because I, I would not be able to still believe um, <laughs> that I ended up as Arsenal's record goal scorer. And I remember we and Thierry spoke and we speak a lot. And I, when, when he was getting ready to do it, I remember when I went on the pitch and we spoke, I said to him, we, you make sure you put it out of sight, Thierry, because this is an unbelievable honour. You don't want no one to come and do what you're doing to me. Yeah. You put it completely out of sight. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have been suspended so many times if I realised <laughs> that I was going to do it. <laughs> 
Um, and look, I mean, some of the people that you played with besides yeah. Rocky, I mean, um, Dennis Bergkamp. Yes. Uh, I mean, the there's greatest that, signing we've ever made. I mean, incredible. We'll ever make. You know where I was when that went down? I was working for a radio station in Tipperary mm. and I was like far, well, not far from home, but it is a long way from, mm. t- from Tipperary. <laughs> but anyway, I was down there. I, w- I wasn't enjoying the job at all. I was doing, they made me do six hours of radio every yeah. day, t- 12 to 2 in the afternoon and then 8 to midnight and it was kind of soul destroying. But I was sitting in the newsroom and they're putting together the bulletin the sports bulletin and the news bulletin. And the, the the girl who was doing the sports said to me, Arsenal have signed Dennis Bergkamp. And I went, will you fuck off? I know, I know. What, are you, what are you talking about, Arsenal have signed Dennis Bergkamp? It's something that wouldn't have happened under George Graham. He just would not have signed a player like that. Yeah. He wouldn't have broken the record and paid him what he would have had to pay him. Whereas we, oh, we were happy to just see a player like that. And, you know, I, I know we're going to go on to talk about Arsenal, but a player like that that, mm. that just lifts that lifts the whole club. Yeah, you know, I always describe it as when Dennis signed. It's like the start of that. You know, the X Men where that kind of DNA thing fuses and then everything <laughs> changes. I think that yeah. when Dennis when Dennis signed for us, that happened. All the DNA and everything changed, and that's why we went on to mm. be what we were. It was only going to be success and progress with someone like Dennis, and we bought straight into. Dennis and how great he was and how we all had to raise our games because it was a self-motivating dressing room. We knew and we, we, we couldn't believe Andrew that Inter Milan let him go. We yeah. literally could not believe it. I mean, it must have had a huge impact on that dressing room because, uh, you know, at that time, certainly in the league, things were yeah. a little bit yeah. little bit difficult for Arsenal. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got a player like Dennis Bergkamp coming in. I mean, was it, I mean, I guess it was obvious from day one, the day he arrives on well, the training ground, what, what, what he was going to well, bring. We saw, we saw Andrew in training, what he was capable of. Yeah. I, I, I'm still trying to, I'd have to really think back to see if he ever even gave the ball away in training. Some of the goals he scored in training. And, um, the, the frustrating thing for me, because we roomed together, yeah. was um, is that you know he didn't he didn't he didn't score goals for a few games. Remember, that's right. Yeah. Like eight nine games or whatever it was, and people were starting to to give him stick. I tell you what, it was almost uh, reminiscent to there's a bit with Özil. They were like a, how, how they were with Özil when he started. Mm. You know what I mean, I know he played that brilliant game in that Champions League where he scored that goal, Özil, where it came across his left foot. He just guided it in. Napoli, pure, I pure think. class. But I remember there was a kind of vibe about Dennis where everybody kind of were doubting him a little bit right at the start. Yeah. You know, um, you can hear a little bit of some murmurs. And I think it was after a game against Hartlepool. We played two games against Hartlepool and Dennis didn't play, didn't, he didn't um, score in either of them. And I think the headline was Dennis with a, a, a forlorn picture of Dennis head down and mentioning the fact that he couldn't score past this Hartlepool third rate <laughs> keeper or something. And then, Lo and behold, the next game was Southampton, and then yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, uh, just an amazing player to watch. It was, and, he and was amazing. He and was. Uh, you know, I know this, this is something players say a lot, but when you have a player of that caliber, it it helps you get better as well, right? Well, you have to, yeah, um, because the standards that he was setting, yeah, Andrew. He, he, I, I, I told a story about the um, the pajamas when me and Dennis first uh, roomed together. He went in the went in the bathroom. And he came out and he came out in full pyjamas and slippers. <laughs> and um, I was, like I say, I put it in my book. I was sleeping in my vest. Yeah. And um, you know what I mean? It wasn't like he came out and it was a, a joke or anything. He was deadly serious. That's how he obviously goes to bed. And, you know, of course we had a laugh. I, I had a laugh about it. But the next week, 
I bought pajamas and slippers, and then we started to have a thing of see who wore the best pajamas. We came out the came out the bathroom. We had the best pajamas on. But what it said to me was his preparation in in everything was of class and yeah. and, and, and 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 meticulous and doing it properly, doing it right, and that went throughout not just his game but in his life itself as well. Yeah, everything was proper and right and professional and amazing. Yeah. Just an example, because I, even I remember the uh, maybe Van Persie is not the most popular guy that you know that could ever be, but I remember him telling a story about how he was was finished training and he was watching Bergkamp still on the training ground yeah. doing drills with a couple of the young players, yeah. whether it was free kicks or whether it was just finishing something like that, and, and Van Persie realizing, well, hang on, this is actually Dennis Bergkamp in the I guess you'd say the September yeah. of his career. Yeah. And doing it, doing it, and putting that in. I remember he used to do that. Remember that goal he scored? He'd come across to the left and then cut back to the right and bend. Yeah, I've I've seen that so many times in training. <laughs> and so, I remember the one what he done. He's done it against so many teams, but the main one was obviously the Sunderland one. Um, but it was the celebration I love because people didn't realize how much of a sense of humor and how funny he was. Um, and Ray Parler can tell you how funny he he, he really was, but when they all ran away with their hands covered up like... That's right, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was like brilliant. But the amount of times I've seen him score that goal and like I say, in training, it was, it was a pleasure. And you know what? I, I just look at Andrew and I was just pleased that in the end, I, I, I worked hard enough and got myself to a situation where I was at a club like Arsenal playing with world-class players. Yeah. That's all I was happy about in yeah. the end. And you only realise that once you finish, you know what I mean? Dennis Bergkamp will probably be... You ask any of those Arsenal players who's the best player they've ever played with, and probably all of them would say Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess you can't look back with too many regrets on on what happened. But would you have liked to have been maybe just a couple of years younger when Arsene Wenger took over? Um, you know, it's, I'm I'm not sure. Simply because um, I think it all happens at the time it's meant to happen. Right. And you okay. can't you can't have regrets about that. And you know, what I mean, if I would, it's not even a case of would I have liked to have. Um, being there earlier with Arsene, I would like to have been there earlier with George. I would have liked to have been there in 89 yeah. and 91 because watching 89, I remember because obviously David was like from the area and we all, everybody in that, the whole place locked down. Arsenal had to go there and win 2-0. Yeah. The whole of Broccoli and Lucian and Deptford everywhere locked down watching this game. And um, when they done it, it was, it was something, it was just like, it was an amazing result. It yeah. was just, it it shouldn't have been done yeah. at Anfield against that Liverpool side. It shouldn't have been done, especially what happened with Wimbledon the, the game before. Yeah. But, you know, it was, it, you know, that, that's, I would, I would love to have been there then, but, you know, the time I was there and, and the time I had, it was perfect. Yeah. It was, it was perfect. Okay. Can't argue with that. Mm. Can't argue with that. So when, when you look back and when you have this strong connection with, this football club like you do and, and obviously you're watching mm. uh, in, in a number of capacities I guess because yeah. there's a professional capacity and there's a, a personal capacity yeah. um, I mean is, is it a little bit difficult at times it's, to separate it's, those? It's so hard it's very hard and to the point where I can't I can't really win because I will not say Arsenal have done well when they've not done well Yeah, you know it, it, it can't work like that because I'm catering for a lot of people but when it does go well I'm then able to I wouldn't say gloat but I get a lot of people saying it's, it's ridiculous Ian Wright talk with Arsenal because he's so biased towards Arsenal. 
Whereas they don't say um, how critical I am of Arsenal when we when we play badly or when we don't do well. Do, do you get more? I mean, I'm I, so nervous. Do you get more criticism from Arsenal fans? Com- con- to- totally. Totally. When you're critical of the club, they you get well, more stick from them. The, the thing is, I know that I'm when I'm when I'm doing my assessment of Arsenal, I'm doing it from a place of of, of pure love with Arsenal, but pure from from but pure honesty, Andrew, because yeah. it's the only way you can do it. Now, because I know that it's coming from a place of love, and I like the thing with Arsene Wenger was we Arsene Wenger in Brazil a few years ago for the World Cup, we must have sat down and spoke for two three hours, and that, he said he said to me he hasn't got no problem with what I say about mm. the club because he knows where it comes from. Sure. And that, that, that really made my, it made my heart smile because <laughs> I've got a lot of love and a lot of respect for him. So to know that he feels that way about what, what, what I'm talking about, Arsenal, is because he knows I'm doing the job I have to do. But it's like, for instance, I'm doing the game, um, the, 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 the semi-final. Yeah. And I can't, I'm, I'm shitting myself. <laughs> like I'm everyone, so, I I'm, 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 yeah. I actually, I'm, I'm, abs- I'm terrified. It's hard, like, watching Arsenal um, in the current climate. It's very, very hard mm. um, because there's a weakness and there's a, there's, a, there's a capitulation and a crumbling vibe about us that is very hard to pinpoint. And this is why when I saw the Ox the other day come out and he, he said what he said and people, I saw it on social media, people are talking about they're, they're tired of the, the Ox pandering and trying to get the populism voting. It was bollocks. That had to be said by someone. It should have been done ages ago. Mm. It was just great to hear somebody almost like standing up in that dressing room. It needed to be said, Andrew, whether it was a PR, whether someone trotted him out there to say it. But when you looked at him and the way he was saying it, he meant it. Because you know what? It's got to a stage now. I've never heard Arsenal fans sing, you're not fit to wear. I've never heard that. Mm. You're not fit to wear the shirt like Palace. So him saying that is something that needed to be said at that time. Yeah. You just want to see how they react to that. Yeah, well, true. I mean, look, I, I think you can be really cynical and say it's a bit of PR or it's contrived or whatever else. I'm glad but I, I think it. you're. I wanted to hear it. But I, I think you're right. Yeah. It, it is something that needed to be said. Whether, whether it's 100% true or 99% yeah. true or 1% true, it was something that had to be said because the, there are clear divisions between yeah. the players and the fans. And yeah. whatever, what normally happens at football clubs, right, is that, you know, the, the people get pissed off with the manager or they get yeah. pissed off with the board or yeah. the owner or something or they get pissed off with a player yeah you can a player can lose the fans and it's very difficult yeah. for them to get the fans back on side but if you start losing all the fans oh, yes. and all the players it's that just, is a really unhealthy you situation are in a bad place you're in a bad place and you know what the players like i've said for a long time i, I do there's certain things arsene wenger has to take the blame for him um, like you know, I'm t- if I read or see another team of Arsenal players, uh, players that Arsenal should have bought, uh, Arsenal Wenger team. <laughs> if I see another one, I swear I'll punch a wall. Um, and you know, then that's by and by. But you know, with certain players that he has bought, and the, the, the fact that it has gone stale, it has gone a bit stagnant. You know, the players do seem a little bit comfortable. And 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 what what you want is you just want some form of change. Like even. Even watching us go to a, a back three. What was your reaction to that the other night? <laughs> well, cool. Firstly, my jaw dropped because Arsene Wenger's done something differently. He's changed. I felt, um, I felt a little bit for Hector Bellerin because yeah. it came, it's come at a time where, because he'll probably play on mm. Sunday. It's come at a time where he was, he, he was, he's been brilliant. This season, he's not been as good as we've seen him, but he has been one of our most consistent performers up until. This, maybe this this season. So to see him get dropped and then the Ox play, and Ox played brilliantly. 
in that role. Mm. Um, and albeit against um, a, a Middlesbrough side that were, were there to be taken. I, fe- I did feel for, for Hector a little bit, but just to see us change and do something else, it, it, it's just, it, I was just pleased to see a change. Yeah. I was just pleased to see a change, Andrew. It was, you know, you, you know it's something that you hope that they've been working on. Are they going to do it against City, which is going to be a massive test? You don't know. I've heard him say that he's, he's probably, he's, he's going to do it. You know, would I play Gabriel in it? I want to see more of Rob holding. I yeah. think that he's been very, very patient. He's more of a stand-up guy that I feel that, given the opportunity, he, he might he, he might kick on. But you know, if if it was out of him and Gabriel, I'm I'm going with with holding for, for some reason. Sure. He doesn't seem like he's so caught in the headlights. Yeah, I think me. I think Mustafi is out. So unless he brings Murtasacker back in. Well, Which know. seems a bit of a risk, doesn't that it? Play be, your yeah. first game of the season yeah. in an FA Cup <laughs> semi-final. Can you imagine what would happen to the boss if he'd done that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, like you say, it is at least something. Some Something at a time when I think fans, uh, and I'm sure you feel much the same way, where you feel a little bit like there's so much talk, there's so much yeah, going on, people much. are expressing so many concerns, yeah. and... The, there's nothing coming back no, from the club. Which but is wrong. No, yeah, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. But, you know, at least from a, a footballing point yeah. of view, um, we're seeing something from the manager, some acceptance that this season he can't keep doing the same thing and expecting it to yeah. work because he's, he's chopped and changed yeah. personnel and yeah. it hasn't really happened. And now he's, he's changed the system and he's changed the system at a time where he's totally under it. He's, under, he's right under pressure. You know, we've got people um, singing what they're singing to the players about not fit to wear the shirt. The manager's totally under scrutiny consistently and continuously. The ball, you know, that's that's a whole other story. But I remember, like, there was a time, what kind of the example? Like, Theo, when Theo, we don't know if he was going to sign or, or you know, there was a time where he was just in the right place at the right time, Theo, and got this unbelievable contract. And all of a sudden, he's, he, he was playing up front like a striker because that's what he wanted to do. And it's almost like the... The boss gave him that opportunity. He played up front. He scored some goals doing it. Mm. As soon as he signed the contract, he took him back out. It's like when it when the pressure gets right on the boss to do something, he, he seems to to right. I'm going to do that now because that's what's needed right now. Like he's changed now. Yeah, like, I, it, I'm not I'm not sure if we're supposed to be like, um, oh, he's changed. Okay, he's ready for change. So let's give him a chance now. Yeah, because I genuinely believe that he'll he'll probably signed for another two years mm. you know I, I remember it all things all kind of kicked off when I I was having a, a question and answer session at, with some with the with the box holders with the boss and he was the one who mentioned that it's coming to an end and I remember, I remember saying well the boss to me maybe it is coming to an end for him and I said if you ask me right now with me sitting across yeah. the table like I am to you now Andrew and people said do you think you'll and I thought at the time I thought yeah he looks like he's had enough he looks spent but it seems like after that he just got a new lease of life. <laughs> he got a new lease of life, and How? all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> we've got this two-year deal, which is probably still on the table. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you feel like maybe it's something that, if things were going well, he might be more inclined to think, "Well, all right," but because it's going poorly, he feels responsible and doesn't want to walk away I, at a time when things are bad. I, I get the impression that it's the latter there, and because that's what he's like. Yeah. I think that. Um, it, it you know he, whatever whatever people say we were going through a little bit of a dip once he did come back in after ninety four ninety five after the the two cup winners cups and we didn't have didn't win anything 
to that point. And then, you know, Arsenal got in and then, you know, you know, we, we started to kick on. But, you know, people saying that Arsenal, you know, he was he made Arsenal. Arsenal were nothing before he came, which is something I take massive offence to. Yeah. You know what I mean? When of I joined course. when I joined Arsenal, they were bloody champions fucking <laughs> twice in three years, Andrew. You know, I, I walked into a room full of a dressing room full of champions. Mm. Um and so it's it was just like I said, where, what was I, where was I there? We were talking about the, the manager and whether he feels like he can walk away at a time when well, things no, are Well, no, and bad. I don't think that the way he is, he's always, like he said, he's always um, he's, he's always honoured his, his, his contracts and then he signs another one. But I don't think that he's been under as much pressure um, to not sign a contract where the fans have literally had enough um, of maybe him, which I do still find very hard to, 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 to speak about. Um, I don't know if, if if this one, how are they going to feel about him signing a new one, Andrew, mm. at this particular time? But, you know, if if anyone feels that just Arsene Wenger leaving and then bringing in a new manager with the same people upstairs, man, I think that's just, that's I think that would be very naive of us to yeah. feel that if Arsene Wenger goes, everything's going to be okay, Andrew. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I share those concerns. I mean, I think it's possible to hold the opinion that maybe it's time that Arsenal had a new manager, but also be terrified at the prospect of the people who are at board level choosing that new manager or trying to deal with the departure of, of someone like Arsene Wenger. Yeah. Because I, I know it's a comparison that people make quite a lot, but Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, yeah. a manager yeah. who was there for so many years, who ran the club... Yeah the way he wanted to run the club despite other people above him. Yeah. You know, he had the iron fist there yeah. in many ways. Maybe Arsene Wenger's iron, iron fist is, is, has got a velvet yeah, glove on yeah, it, yeah, but, yeah. you know... But Andrew, you do feel as well, though, that when Fergie did run it with the iron fist, I, I get the impression that people were able to... to ch there was a lot of change mm. as the years went by where different people would come in. Well, that was him voices. as well, though, wasn't it? Because Ferguson, yeah. there was a bit of churn in yeah. terms of... Yeah. Now, maybe that was him falling out with Brian Kidd and Kieros and who knows, but at least there, yeah, was, there was that success. freshness. Yeah. yeah, and there was success, continuous success with that, whether it was something that was uh, done unwittingly by them or it was done purposely, they got success with it. You look at Chelsea's model, and I'm sure that... The way Chelsea have been since Abramovich has come in, I'm just, they they would have probably wanted a manager that would have stayed continuously and build a legacy and build what maybe Arsene Wenger did at Arsenal. But because their their owner, he's not he, he's not sitting and resting on laurels. If it's not happening how he wants it, he'll get rid of them. And what's happened is he's got rid of them, mm. and they've got success every now. They get rid of them, they get success. They get, so they've not had a continuous manager, but they've they've won everything up to this point. Yeah. You know, I think, was it you? I don't know who I heard saying, would you change? Would you swap Chelsea's success? Um, would you, would you, would, would we want the same kind of success as Chelsea or would we want to be how we were? Yeah. I, I, I You know, and if, if I'm going to look at it, you know what I mean? I'm never going to not love the Invincibles and what the Invincibles done, but I would. I would um, swap what's gone on the last eight, nine years. Sure, but I mean, I, I guess it shows you a couple of things is that one is that th there's no one way of doing it. So like yeah, having a manager exactly, yeah. for a long period of time, it can bring great stability. Yeah. And I think I've said before that, you know, in time, I think people will look back at the consistency that yeah. Arsene Wenger yeah. had, and even if it's only tough it, yeah. they'll give him credit for that. But at the same time, you can chop and change your manager and still be successful. And the concerns that people have, let's say, remember when Mourinho was in charge the first time and yeah. he had such great relationships with, with the, players. the likes of Terry and yeah. Lampard and Czech and, and, and uh, all, yeah. all those players. 
when he left, they still did it for different yeah. managers. Yeah. So players will do it for another manager. There's yeah, no they will. worry about do, that. Do you believe that our players and the way our players have let him down continuously and consistently um, when he's showed so much faith in them? Because they have to be they have to be held to task as well. Yeah. Do you think that even if another manager came in, even with the, the shaky blamange that's upstairs above them, um, do you think that those players can react and all of a sudden find a, 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 a determination and a drive and a, and, and a will to, to win and not lose and not compete? Can, do you think a manager could come in and do that? Are we running out of managers that's left to come I, in and do I, that? I think... A new manager could certainly give some of them a new lease of life, but I think a new manager would also need to come in and say, look, you've been here X amount of years. It hasn't really gone time for you to move on. Thanks very much. I think that's that will be part of what a new manager has got to do. But I think a new manager like Conte this season at Chelsea has shown that he can come in and and I know they were champions the season before and had that they obviously stopped playing under Mourinho, but he's come in and picked them up again. So I think a new manager, even what happened at Leicester this season, you know, he's he's got more out of those players than Claudio Ranieri was getting. But I, I wanted to ask you about the players and and what you think about what's happening and and I do wonder is the uncertainty over what is going to happen with Arsene Wenger as a player, would that be something that could influence you or have an an impact on your performances when you go out on the pitch, either as an individual or as a, as a collective, is it something that as a collective you would worry about once Uh, you, once you went out on that pitch? Not not once you're out on the pitch, because I believe that um, if you took my career under George, and the real, even though that was the worst year of my my life, yeah. not, not just my football career. And under Wenger, I I like to think I played exactly the same under all of them. Mm. You know, because it's you're not you're not really you're not playing for that manager. You're playing for the club. Yeah. And as twin as glib as it might sound, that's what you're playing for the club and your teammates. So as then the fans will love it, and every, then everybody everybody benefits from that. So um, I I just feel that the players that Arsene Wenger as 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 as, as 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 built around him are weak players. I just do not feel that they've done anything to show me that um, they, even with a new manager, and uh, that they're going to be able to be strong enough to to rise up and and be something else. Mm. I'm not sure they can. I feel that they've taken Arsene Wenger's kindness for weakness. Whereas I believe our dressing room, they they our dressing room, we were self motivating. Yeah. We we were. We, it was refreshing to have somebody who wasn't screaming and shouting and slaughtering us when we, we come in at halftime, we're 2-0 two, two up or, or we're winning or we're 1-0 down, we come in and we get a draw. We walk into the dressing room and we're happy that we just got back in it. George Graham comes in and absolutely slaughters everyone. You know what I mean? Because that's what he does. Arsene Wenger came in and he was very calm with you. Yeah. He, he, you know, and if, if you're a player of, uh, with, with that kind of um, persona where you will take the excuses what Arsene Wenger makes for you and say, oh yeah, see what the boss says? Yeah, that's fine. You have to be self-critical yourself. I'm not mm. sure, apart from when you heard uh, um, the Ox there the other day, I, I don't believe many of them when they when, when they come out and, and say how disappointed they are because the weeks following, they played exactly well, the same. Well, it's sort of like a running joke among it's Arsenal it. fans. When, when there's a bad result, fans, yeah. you know, when there's a bad result, someone is wheeled out to do the, we will learn from this and we'll try harder. And, yeah. you know, I, 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 it, it strikes me that there's, the, the to get to this level of football, to be a football player at Arsenal, you've got to have a certain amount of character you've got yeah. to have a certain amount of drive a certain amount of ambition so I mean is it just that they're missing 
one or two percent or are they missing perhaps some characters in that's the dressing room that's all it is who when, can consolidate that's that. what it is because when i came to arsenal that our mantra should be what what that when i came in there with what we built from the back now everybody we had so many people slaughtering you yeah if you weren't doing it if like i weren't holding it up I could get Boldy, I could get Lee Dixon, I could get Nigel, Tony, screaming in your face when you come in at half-time, you sit down, you, you've given away the ball a couple of times and they let you they let you know, if you give that ball away again when we're trying to get a fucking breather, I'm going to knock you out, right? Now, I'm not saying that you want that kind of stuff in there, but you they um, that's what it's about. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Did you see Lee, Lee Dixon talking to Arsene Wenger the other night after the Middlesbrough no, game? No, And Lee Dixon asked him about... Who are the leaders in, in the dressing room? Who are the characters in the dressing room? And Arsene Wenger didn't mention any name in particular, maybe because he hasn't, but he made a point also that he said, well, maybe society is a little bit different. Maybe, I mean, is that him making an excuse or is that a reality that when, I mean, look, your path to, to first team football and to Arsenal mm. uh, was a difficult one. And guys of that era, they weren't mollycoddled or they no. weren't brought through the academy and they weren't, they didn't have personalized boots and no. they didn't have f flash cars at young age. I, you know, I think that does make yeah. a bit of a difference. Yeah, but so, so are we talking football society? Because then you look, you have to yeah. look back, you look at, for instance, um, you look at Barcelona against PSG, they're 4-0 down. I know they're going into the new camp and 
You know what I mean? If there's any team that can do it, but there's that's you've got to have a will and a certain will and determination and drive to be able to go into a football match being four 0 down mm. and and coming back from it. That they're in the same kind of society. Maybe it's in Spain, but that's how players are. Yeah. You can't tell me anybody's more mollycoddled than Barcelona's <laughs> players, and they can find it within themselves because they've got leaders and people who refuse to lose and people who have won things and know mm. what it's like to win things and want to do it again. And that is our problem. We haven't got enough players in the dressing room or even on the pitch. You don't see them digging each other out. People, people constantly say this about Arsenal. Andrew, look at it. You know, a goal will go in and people just turn in. You won't see people arguing with each other. You won't see anything. Mm. So if that's not happening, uh, that's, not, that's not happening in the dressing room, that can't be happening at training. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a problem that uh, perhaps goes beyond whatever Arsene Wenger is going to do. Uh, yeah, but I, I, some... can he motivate them anymore, Andrew? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think there have been some performances this season which show that the messages, whatever message he's trying to do... and They don't look, seem to be getting it. And there's no accountability if they don't, no. Yeah. But I mean, what, what sort of input would... People have asked me this countless times and I yeah. say I don't know because I just don't know. And people look at... People look at Steve Bold yeah. sitting on the bench and he's he's pretty much silent. But as you said, Boldy you know, as as a as a player, an amazing centre half, uh, an amazing character. I mean, if he's not gonna do it publicly, is he the sort of um is he the sort of man to give it a bit behind the scenes? Well <laughs> Andrew, when I remember the first time Arsene Wenger came in the dressing room and he came in, Pat Rice was just getting ready to air dry us, just like like give us a right fucking mouthful, right? And he literally shut him down. He shut him down, do not shout at the players, Pat. Don't shout at the players. So I get the impression that that is what that dressing room is like. Now, Boldy, I'm sure, will want to because mm. he was one who you could not get away with not pulling your weight in the dressing room. Mm. Now, you are someone like Steve Bold, and I bet Stevie Bold with the players that he's been around and where he's come from, all the way where he came from, Stoke, all the way to Arsenal and beyond. I, I'm sure he will tell you that society's changing the way the players are has changed because you literally can't say anything to the players. You can't say anything to hardly any player because they're all very much made men. You know, if they're not self-motivating and, you know, got something to fight for, like you, you know, like you look at how Leicester done it, you know what I mean? It's, you know, come on, man. You know, mm. if you if you're not going to be like that yourself, then you're very comfortable. What is gonna What is gonna in, infuse you? What's gonna get you going? Unless it's a new manager with a new with with, with new a new board. You know, if the if there was a new board and they kept Arsene Wenger, and he, that doesn't bother me. But something needs to change, man. So I mean, let let's let's get on to that then because. We talked about Abramovich and we talked about Chelsea and Abramovich is a guy who's obviously making the decisions at Chelsea and the decisions that he makes are because when it comes right down to it, he wants Chelsea to win wins. Simple as that. Mm. Whether you want to be critical of his methods, like he sacks managers who win the double, he mm. sacked... Um, sacked Ranieri, he sacked, sacked Ancelotti, he sacked, sacked Di Matteo, Di Matteo after, after the, the Champions, Champions League. League. Yeah. You know, that's pretty fucking ruthless. That's majorly ruthless. So... Arsenal, we have a board where I think there's a couple of things we need to touch on. One mm. is that there there has been down the years a, a sort of dearth of football people, so to speak, on the board. And I know it's a bit of a cliche to talk about football people, but, mm. you know, it's a football club at the end of the day. You yeah. need people who know how the game works. Yeah. 
But the majority shareholder is a guy who watches from afar, who has a... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? He's got a collection of mediocre, mid-performing, not winning sports franchises. And I hate the word franchise in in any way that it's it's applied to Arsenal. And I feel, feel, I've said it before on, on the podcast and on the blog, that that is culturally, it seeps down from the very top of this club. And I believe that... While people will need to focus a little bit on Arsene Wenger and, and, and talk about a new manager because that's an inevitability given his age and given yeah. performances and everything yeah. else, I also feel like fans need to also need think to about what's happening on, at board upstairs. level. They need to. I think that you only have to look at, like, we're not hearing anything from him. You know, people like Ivan. I, I still believe that Ivan and the way they just, like, they've just left the boss out there on his own in this storm um, when they said, well, it's the fans that will ultimately decide what happens with him. That, ha- was- that is literally, it, it might, it just, it might as well have just started hammering the nails in. Yeah. Because now the fans are revolting with what's going on. Um, and you can't blame them with what they're watching, but he's given them license because how else are they supposed to express their feelings to how they feel still paying the most money for season tickets Still watching, still watching poor performances. Mm. Still being let down majorly by the team, and still our boss still coming out and and making lame excuses, you know, for for why why we're losing and why we're not doing as well as we should be. But in in, in respects of like Kroenke and 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 Dick Law and and, and Ivan Gazidis, you know, when I'm hearing like things about Dick Law and the the recruitment, the recruitment yeah. of what's going on, like. As much as I hope that Xhaka can, kick, if if I was playing, I wouldn't. I would want Xhaka to be playing. If I'm playing, you know, the rumor is Xhaka's telling people he's not getting coached. Doesn't know what he's doing. He's just been plonked in. You know what I mean? He doesn't know what he's actually properly doing. You know whether that's true or not. Who knows? But he's somebody that he's left foot, and he's he's long range passing. If he has somebody to 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 run it, it's fantastic. Same with Özil. You know, same with Ozil. If if I'm playing in front of someone like Ozil, I'm absolutely yeah. delighted with that. Yeah. You know, but like when Xhaka was being, when we was trying to acquire Xhaka, I didn't see any other people coming in. I didn't see too many people around this so-called top top four clubs in Europe coming in. The same with Mustafi. We've paid top money for these players. And right at this particular moment, it's not happening. Mm. There's no difference. There's no difference to the team in well, respects of attitude or... It's worse. It's it's actually worse. It's worse. It's actually worse. And yeah, I mean, I think people have concerns about that. The recruitment, they've had concerns. You know, you remember the story when we went to try and sign Gary oh, Cahill from from Bolton. And they're looking for 12 million. We offered them 6 million. Six million. And yeah, but you, then you, we, the, 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 things should have happened when we, done, when we messed up Suarez. Suarez... Um, went to Barcelona for what seventy five million in the end. Yeah. We offered whatever it was in a pound forty. The fact is, people should have lost their jobs off of that. People should have whoever's in who how that can get through the different levels of management. And someone said, right, yeah, offer that to Liverpool. That those people should have been sacked because that is a fireable offence for me. And wherever that's come from, if the boss had anything to do with that, you can't tell me he wouldn't have. 
For them to offer that is embarrassing for us as a club to do that because Suarez has actually gone to Barcelona when they've got Messi and Neymar and all the players that they had and he's made them better. Mm. And we offer that. Those things are just ridiculous. People should, they, they shouldn't be able to get away with that. It's a joke. Yeah. No leadership, no direction, nothing up in the board. And when you watch the way we play, especially when a team gets back in the game, you watched Middlesbrough the other day. It's nearly, I literally nearly had to stop watching Andrew. I, when he missed that, the fell Ayala. Yeah, the header. Missed the header. I just thought, what? what the you know, fuck? it's one of those. <laughs> it's one of, you know, you watch it and you think to yourself, okay, this is Middlesbrough. And I went into the Middlesbrough game and I was still afraid. Yeah. And I'm thinking, if anyone could probably mess this up in the current form, it will be us. But like, Sanchez scores, he's great, goal, brilliant. But when they scored, I think, really? I know. Are you really going to put, put Arsenal fans through this? And when he missed the chances, you, you know, you think to yourself, um, the, the teams that we've beaten coming from Sutton to Lincoln to terrible West Ham. Yeah. Um, uh, Middlesbrough. We, we, you know, that, if if that's what we've got to build on to go into the semi-final, I'm still feeling very, I've, I'm fretting. Yeah. I really, I don't know what I'm looking for, for somebody to make me think, well, because of him, him and him and him, we're going to be okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so difficult. It is so difficult. And it's, um, just to go back to sort of the, the board thing, yeah. that at this most turbulent of times and certainly it's the most turbulent it's been since Arsene Wenger arrived at yes, the club without doubt. that the what do you make of the fact that we haven't really heard anything from Ivan Gazidis or we haven't heard anything from Stan Kroenke and what, what we got was a three line statement from Sir Chips yeah. who's the chairman who it was a it fairly was a perfunctory statement yeah. it, it didn't say an awful lot um what, what, what it makes me believe is um, I don't think that... Well, I know, I, no one can tell me that Stan Kroenke cares about our club. No. No one can tell me that. Um, I think Ivan Gazidis is, is doing a job. I don't think that... Um, I'm not sure if they, they understand the enormity of our club and what it means to Arsenal fans, um, for Arsenal to be, to be challenging. Do you feel like they also don't understand w- what we did and what we sort of had to go through to get to, to get, the Emirates, right? Because yeah. when you think about it, whatever people might think about the old board, mm. right? Um, to move from Highbury to the Emirates, as gut-wrenching as it was yeah. to leave Highbury behind, it was an extraordinarily ambitious thing to build yeah. a new stadium 700 yards away from Highbury. That the, the new board, the new people have come in They've inherited this they've thing. Inherited, they've inherited this thing at this level, yeah. and they be, they believe this is that's it. That's it. That's it. It just stays. Yeah, there it like, just stays there like that. That there's no desire to get a, what what that stadium was meant to do. Ian, take was us, take us to take the, us to the next place. Take us to the where we could compete with Bayern, with Barcelona, with Real Madrid. You know, we can't match their history, you, but we could at least. I was thinking with as well, Andrew. Do you think they could have, um, if they said at that time, "Listen, we're making we're making this move, and it's probably going to take us ten years." you know, with what we've got to do to pay back. Mm. You know, just a bit of transparency. It's probably going to yeah. take us about 10 years because then what, we'd be like two years now. We'd be we'd, we'd nearly getting to the point where, right, here we go. Yeah. Um, and I think that people would have taken it more in their stride knowing that we've qualified for the Champions League as often as we can with the limited resources that we've got. Although everybody thinks that Arsenal have got squillions and squillions of pounds. We, we had to pay for the, for the stadium, which I totally understand, but they kept it quiet and never said anything. Yeah. They gave us, they sold it, sold Arsenal the, the dream of, well, 
we're going to compete with Bayern Munich. And we're not competing with any of them. No. We're not competing with any of them. You know, the Olympiacos and Monaco before Monaco looked so great at the moment of beating us. Teams are beat, you know, we're, we're getting beat by, like, with all due respect, Watford and, and, and teams, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because we're meant to be up there with, with, um, with Chelsea. And I don't care about Abramovich and um, how much money he's put in. We, we should have been able to continuously build. We, we, out, of, out of hell, we let Patrick Vieira, a legend in our club, end up at uh, Manchester City, where there, people like Patrick and Thierry and people like that, Tony Adams, we see him, whatever Tony, those, how people like that are not in the club. Lee Dixon, Martin Keown. Martin told me a story the other day that when he was there for the time and he got the year contract and he was there, he would say things and he, the, the boss would tell him to shut up. He talked too much, Martin. Because Martin cannot stand by and watch things happening and not say something. Yeah. How we've, uh, 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 how we've let all those things go transpire and we haven't got none of those people at the club winning people with winning mentality in and around the club. Someone like Thierry to... So if Mbappe, by the time it comes around, we'll still be trying to find ourselves, trying to do our zip up. And like people like Mbappe will be gone to some other team all and these great young players just like we're missing out on the managers if we did want a new man we're missing out on these, all these players and people like Thierry who I'm sure Mbappe most probably looks up to yeah. those are the people like Patrick and Thierry who should be telling those people why you should be coming to Arsenal yeah I mean who's convinced I mean if, if, if who's going to do that Dick Law don't mention Dick Law don't mention Dick Law Dick Law Honestly, it's so annoying. The, the stories I've heard about that guy. Mm. And, you know, he must have had something to do with 40, 40 million and a pound, or was it 37 and a pound? 40 million and a 40 pound. 40 million yeah. and a pound. I've heard that, you know, he had one job to go and sign Ozil. I heard he missed the plane. He missed the plane. You know, and then that cost Arsenal even more money. That's our recruitment, man. You know what I mean? And so when you, when you look at um, the amount of different junctures that we've failed at board level to mm. help the boss. It's it's sad. It really is. So if, if a new manager came in, is he not going to have to deal with those same issues that let's say Arsene Wenger goes at the end of the season and we get someone else in, are these structural failings not also going to have an impact on a new manager, even if he comes in with new fresh ideas and new tactics and, is that not? Is it not like a a, a a millstone around our neck to have this these people running the club? I, I believe that, you know, and we we don't even know the half of it. Um, I I believe that what's going on upstairs, if we could find out, everybody would pr probably be outraged. But like, if if I'm a new manager, um, I I I I would be worried about the amount of players I'm. How, look, how many players have we got running down contracts right now? When are we going to mm. learn from that? Yeah. When are we going to learn from that? That's another thing. I know there's a lot of people on that list, a lot of players on that list that I wouldn't mind seeing them go. Not just because um, they're not going to play a major part in what needs to happen for Arsenal to get back to where I believe that we should be, but just because for their own for their own careers, they should be moving on. They should have been moved on three and four years ago, mm. some of these players, but they're still there, you know? Um you know, and that's, that's, that's another thing that comes down to who does the contracts. It's, it's Dick Law. He, those things should be done. We should be, we're just in such a state. So, the, you know, the issues like having a sporting director or a director of football, I think Arsene Wenger spoke about it last week and I can't remember the exact word that he used, not a nuisance, but like 
something that's not necessarily the the most in, important thing. Well, he doesn't view it that way. But from he's, he's somebody that he's at the range, so he doesn't need to worry about what a director of football because a director of football will be in direct conflict with him because the director of football will be telling him what he wants to happen. Yeah. Who do you, do you want this? What player do you, Arsene Wenger would tell, then he would go and get that player. Arsene Wenger would give him this. He would go and get that player. He would be in conflict with him. He would say, well, I'm not sure about that. And Arsene Wenger has not had to deal with that. So why would he then now all of a sudden feel like he wants to welcome in someone yeah. like that? But if, I think that what will happen is, is that if he does sign, which I do believe he will, it's something that he'll probably have to get in line with. And I'm getting the feeling that they like him and Ivan Gazidis, there's, there's, there's friction now. Because I think that Ivan Gazidis, to save his own ass, he's having to start to make some decisions. And this is why maybe we're seeing stalling on, on, on um, announcements, on mm. or the contracts. And, because I think that Ivan Gazidis has finally realised, I better start doing something. I better start actually earning this two million I'm earning a year yeah, and start to give the boss a little bit of like, well, this is not going to happen. That's going to happen. And if you do sign, this is what's got to happen. And that's what's got to happen. I don't care who does it. I don't care if they flip it all on the head and they all turn into brilliant board members and, and, and businessmen. If the boss stays and then it starts, I don't care if they stay and I'll take back everything, but I don't believe that's going to happen. Mm. But something needs to change. And I think that Gazidis... He's too quiet as well. Yeah. Another one that's too quiet. I still believe Arsene Wenger should not be taking the flack on his own. The, 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 the fans and everybody have got to start directing some more upstairs. Yeah, I agree with you. Let, let me ask you a couple of final things. Yes. Um, how important is it for Arsenal as a football club to hang on to the likes of Alexis Sanchez and, and Mesut Ozil? Because that was, we talked about this sort of 10 year if there was a 10 year plan but yeah. people mentioned 2014 when the mm. money started to flow yeah. again and we saw signing Mesut yeah. Ozil in yeah. 2013 uh, signing Alexis Sanchez yeah. in 2014 I, I can't look beyond the summer of 2015 mm. and not view it as a massive mistake With Peter that we Czech. didn't like I, bring in Peter Cech but mm. bring in someone else could, of that caliber yeah, then, so you keep it going but then you know? Andrew to then, to, to then um, uh, back it up by saying that's all we need you know what I mean? It, it, it's just, yeah. come on. You know, but for me, it's imperative that we keep Alexis Sanchez and I think it's imperative we keep Mesut Ozil. I don't care. People give Mesut a lot of stick um, and I just think that's just his playing style and the way he is. But on the ball, when he's doing his stuff and people say he doesn't do it against this team and that team, you can't win the, the, the German player of the year five out of six years at international level and not be something. You know what I mean? I know you get a little bit more time, but that just says to me, he's got the quality, he's got the time. Should we be building a team around him? Mm. We should not, there is no way we should now be sitting here fretting on whether Mesut is going to leave or Sanchez is going to leave. I'm fretting that both of them will probably leave. Mesut's already said, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I want to see what the boss is doing. And Alexis just looks like, you know what I mean? He looks like, for me, he looks like somebody who's not, who's not there right yeah. now. You know, um, he, he looks like somebody that it will it will run down. He is in the best position he can be in as as, as a footballer with his contract in playing well. The, 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 there's unrest, but he's like the best player. You know, it's just like he's in a great. He, he, he's in an unbelievable. Who would not take Alexis Sanchez? You know, he says he wants to stay in London, but he wants to win things. That's literally saying something like. I want to stay in London. Who's winning things? Well, Chelsea at the moment are winning things. 
would he go to Chelsea? I'm not sure that he would He would not go to Chelsea. I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't sit here, Andrew, and say that, no, 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 he loves the club too much. He, well, he won't go to Chelsea. Of course. We, you know, we, we've if been it, there. If, if it carries on like it carries on, you know what I mean? And he wants to win things. We do not look like we're going to win things at the moment. Mm. So you look at him and you look at Ozil and you, and, and you, you think to yourself, you know what I mean? You hope that something happens and happens quick. This is why all this waiting around to announce things, it doesn't help. No. It just makes people more apprehensive and more worried and more nervous. They're not helping the fans. Yeah. They're not helping the fans. Because fans, I think, really do deserve an awful lot better than they've got over the last few months in particular. Because I feel in some ways that when they were singing at the players at Crystal Palace, it was like a last resort because they've they've directed stuff at the manager. They've directed stuff at the board. They've had protests. They've held up banners and been pretty much ignored. Yeah. And... The players are there. They're front and center. It's like you're the guy right, at the end the of ones. the call center. Exactly. You know, when you ring up, it's not it's not the guy on the phone that's really the problem. It's it's the manager or the company that's giving you the issue. Well, you know, so well, uh, God forbid. You know, I mean, because it's almost as if they're they're pushing them into a corner where what what's left to, what's left to do if you've done all that? Yeah. You've gone to board. You've gone manager. You've gone players. You're not fit to wear the shirt. The next thing is to not go. You know what I mean? Now, can you imagine if Arsenal fans didn't go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Now I'm just—I'm not sitting here and saying don't to, to do that. Absolutely no way. Support your team to the end. Brilliant. Good luck. But the fact is, they're literally pushing them to a position where that's the—that's the last. It's resort. the last resort. You know, if uh, you know, we're already seeing in 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 the uh, in the Emirates empty seats. We're mm-hmm. seeing it. I meet people every day, Andrew, who say, "No, no, no, I'm renewed now for two years. No way." It's got a lot. Got, like, the boss gets a lot of sh- a shit, to be honest. When he goes, I'll think about coming back. And I said, yeah, but what about upstairs? He said, when the old thing changes, I'll think about coming back. I said, it'd be too late because they know that there's a queue of people who'll take it. Even now, even now when we're not at, the, at, our, at our most potent, there's people who want to watch football at Arsenal. Mm. There is, I suppose, if we want to try and end on a, on a positive note yeah. here after all this... Uh, there, I'm putting it on a right down, aren't I? No, not at all. How could God, I? Sorry, everyone. No, it's all right. There is still the possibility of a trophy. Yes. Uh, I know you're shitting yourself about Absolutely. Sunday, and I think I'm shitting myself about Sunday. And if we win on Sunday, I would also be shitting myself at the prospect of a final against either <laughs> of those two. <laughs> but, you know, the, there is there is that possibility there that, that this team could come out after such a horrendous season and, and lift some silverware. Do, do you feel... I know you've you've been critical of the the character of, yeah. of some of the players and maybe overall. I mean, could could the ox saying what he said could that be a watershed moment? Could it could it, it could it bring them together? I would lo- I would love it. You know what I mean, Kevin Keegan style. Yeah, I would love it if that was <laughs> because I think that you know with the way the season's gone um, and the, the way that Arsenal fans where everybody's starved of something. If we could, if we could beat City. And then beat either of them two in the final. You know something? I almost think that, you know, just to... And then Tottenham don't win the league, you know? <laughs> um, you know, it, I'd almost think that you have to... You'd, you'd almost think that the fans would take something like that simply because it would be a relief. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a relief. But if you look at the way that we're playing and, 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 and the way it's going... You know, it, it, it's something that they would really have to put in a Herculean effort for that to happen because City will be absolutely 
delighted that they're playing Arsenal in the current form. Mm. They know, they have to fear us, absolutely. But they'll be delighted. Yeah. But, you know, Tottenham or Chelsea, whichever one it would be, if we did get past City, you know, it's just, it's hard, Andrew, simply because we'd have to, we'd have to do something I've not seen. We'd have to get in front against City and then we'd have to defend with our lives like we saw Juventus do the other day. Defend yeah, yeah. with our lives. I've not seen us being able to do that for a long time. I, I hope, obviously, that we can do that. Um, I, I, I would share your uh, pessimism in that regard, but I guess you never know. Football is a... That's why, that's why we love it. That's, that's why, why I'll be, we love it, yeah. be there rooting the boys on. Well, listen, um, it's, been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come on today. I really no, no, appreciate no. it. And it's a pleasure to be on the Ask Cartman, honestly. I'm absolutely delighted to be on here. As I look at all the comments and it's brilliant it's the you know obviously I get a lot of call to go on the, the other the other mobs gear um, and you know with all due respect to Rob who I love you know what I mean I, you, you need, I want to speak to proper Arsenal fans that, that are, are listening because I, they've got to understand how much I love this football club so you know I had to come on here and I really appreciate the time well look I think you've made that really clear today thanks Ian thanks Ange. There you go, Ian Wright, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again to him for his time. And uh, it, it was great, really great to sit and talk to him. And I don't think anybody can be in any doubt as to uh, what he feels about this football club and how concerned he is about what's going on at this moment in time. And I don't know if there's one takeaway from the conversation. I think it's that for all the concerns that we have and we share as fans about the future direction of this football club and how much things need to change, that the solution is not black and white, that it is a complicated situation, a nuanced situation, that changing just one thing is not going to make everything better. It doesn't mean that that one thing shouldn't be changed, but there are other things to consider, other factors uh, to take into account. And uh, whether those things are also going to change remains to be seen. I just don't know what's happening. Uh, Like many of you, I'm I'm as much in the dark uh, about what's going to go on and how it's going to go on and when it's going to go on and everything else. But look, I hope you enjoyed that anyway. I hope you enjoyed listening to uh, a real Arsenal legend, uh, a man with uh, such passion for the club. And hopefully what's going on right now is one of those periods that we'll look back on not uh, uh, with great fondness, I don't think. I don't think that's what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say is that What makes football great is uh, winning things, is having those incredible moments, lifting trophies, being the best. And they're they're rare. Maybe they're not as rare for some clubs as for others, but, you know, they don't come around every day and you have to go through the difficult times to really, really enjoy the good times. And I think um, we're going through a period at this moment whereby the next good time is going to feel really, really, really good. I think <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. Um, I'm going to leave it there, though, because I've got to get this out. We've got stuff to do. It's Friday morning. We've got an FA Cup final and all... FA Cup final, do you hear me? FA Cup semi-final coming up on Sunday. We'll preview that over the weekend on the website. So all I can say is that thank you again to Ian Wright. Thanks to Tayo for helping us out and getting this uh, together, uh, getting us a room to record in. 
Thank you as ever for listening. It's really, really appreciated. If you want to give the podcast a review on iTunes, that would be a great help. Thanks so much indeed in advance for that. Uh, James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra. James, by the way, in classic James style, uh, missed out on this yesterday because he was in bed with a fever of 100. He was feeling very ill. So uh, maybe that augurs well for the weekend. Normally when something bad happens to James, the football goes quite well. So sorry to hear you're sick, James. Get well soon. Of course, we'll chat to you on Monday, but maybe it's a good sign ahead of the game on Sunday. So uh, let's keep fingers crossed for that. I will catch you on the next one. Uh, Thanks as ever. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hello, there is no end bit this week. This is just to tell you that there's no end bit because I didn't have time. I'm sorry. Look, I have places to go, people to see, etc., etc. It's Friday morning. I just ran out of time. I ran out of time. My only other option was to record something on the plane. And I wasn't going to do that. That would be weird because you'd have, A, airplane noises, which are not good noises, and just sort of high-pitched and, like, pressurized cabin noises. And uh, the people around me would have been going, what the fuck is that guy? He's weird. Can I change seats? And they couldn't have changed seats because it was a very busy flight, including the child who was kicking the back of my seat most of the way from uh, London to Dublin. Not that I want to put a curse on him or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but, you know, if he lost the use of one of his legs for a couple of days, I wouldn't be unhappy. That's... That's all I'm saying. I just want to make a correction as well. During the end of the podcast there, I came to the uh, the conclusion that it was episode 427. I sounded so happy with myself as well when I said it was episode 427. I was wrong. It's not 427. It is 426. Good numbers, those, because you can add stuff up, you know, two divides into four and two plus four is six and all that kind of stuff. Lots of patterns in that. So, you know, do that. Try and make as many number patterns as you can out of uh, four, two and six. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And uh, use that as the end bit in your own brain. It's like interactive this week. So thanks. (sighs) Until next time.